You are listening to the one of us.net podcast network. They come from the bowels of hell, guided by a master plan for complete domination of the earth. It arouses such emotion that the management has been forced to state positively no refund. Hey, it's Deliberations of Doom, part two of our series on female directors. You know, I, I, I try to spend a lot of time on Twitter with our Deliberations of Doom account communicating with other people who do horror podcasts. And there's a lot of horror podcasts out there. There are. And a lot of really interesting people who but do But we're them. definitely the best one. Well, we definitely have the best name, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Holy shit. There's a lot of boring horror podcast names out there. Deliberations of Doom is a great Doom. name for a podcast. And I'm not just saying that because... I thought it up. I'm 100% saying it because I thought it up. <laughs> we literally, I just want to say that Patience and the Summers Brothers had no say at all in the name <laughs> yes, right. of this. We've tried to change pun. the name. We've tried to change the name multiple times. Chris is like, nope. Nope. Not happening. I own it. You do it. Wow. Yes, master. Dodd for life. <laughs> so, what, 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 what's your point that? about multiple people? Oh, just there's a lot of people out there doing it, and it's like, I've, I've heard every possible take on horror movies. I try to listen to their other podcasts. Uh, and Traitor. A lot of, and there's a, lot, there's a lot of people who are like, I like that there's so many people who have so many different things to say about horror, but I've yet to hear anybody who I feel like made me feel like our podcast. Because we're like we offered something different. Deep you know, cut. and it's it. I, I think that's good. I think that we do are taking a different take, and I think we're also taking an attack that appeals to people who aren't necessarily horror fans. And I think that's good because all, the bulk of horror podcasts are for just people who are unabashedly huge horror fans from the get go. And sure enough, our fan base, a lot of them who come in and go, I never really like was that into horror. I started listening to you guys, and I'm actually watching this stuff, and now I'm getting into it. Yep. You know, uh, actually, I've actually had people wow, reach how out great to are me. We? I know, wow, look at awesome. how fantastic we are. But I've actually had listeners reach out to me on Facebook and be like, yeah, I'm not really usually a horror fan, but you guys have like inspired me to watch more horror and they want to watch the movies as we watch them. Uh, and I was, I was gonna, a great transition here would have been, and speaking of our fans, to go to questions, but first I have to call out Oscar Blues Brewing Company, of yes. course. Our website sponsor, who provides us all this beer. Right now I am drinking their uh, Scotch Ale, Old Chub, that says on it, around the can, it's like Sputnik. I don't know what that means. It's from but, um, um, ABW. No, 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 no. It's from uh, 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 Soy Married Next Murder. With the, with oh, the, that's uh, right. Bring, head, bring your hands, it's no. like Sputnik. It's got its own weather system. It's, it's, gonna, it's a virtual planetoid. It's, it's like an orange on a toothpick. It's going to cry himself to sleep on his huge <laughs> pillow. That's, yeah, that's it's from. And the other side says a virtual planetoid. A virtual, virtual planetoid. planetoid. It's a virtual, virtual planetoid. planetoid. Yeah, very, very strange thing to put on. That's totally... And, 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 and if I you want my body look, and you think I'm sexy... Hey, we don't have any Dale's... Pale ale, which I wanted to drink because Chris drank it all last night. I, I did not personally drink it all. I Liar. Thirty <laughs> to forty. I, I drank I thirty here. to forty percent. I know. I know. You I was didn't here. Personally, drink it all, but you're here, so I'm gonna blame you. Sure, I'll take it. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, so that so, said, I'm drinking the uh, Mama's Little Yellow. That's pill. right. Oscar Blues is so good, it causes rifts in friendships. That's, that's the way it is. <laughs> it's, the, it's the cheap tequila of beer. <laughs> right. Actually, no, Feel the love, right. yo. Uh, I, I love this stuff. There are good people around it. If you're in Austin, uh, North Carolina, or two different places in 
in Denver, you can go to their actual brew pub, which is really impressive. Uh, you know, I've seen pictures of the other one. I've not been to the other ones. I've been to the Austin one. It's huge. It's really cool. Lots of stuff on tap that you Hopefully can't, can't even get day. on can. Yeah, what they've offered. They've That'd said, great. Like, do you want to totally do a do thing here? And they're such great guys. Yeah. Like, they're Sweet. super great yeah. people. Um, somebody tried to sell me on the idea that the name came from that there used to be a third Blues me. Brother. It was wrong. Yeah, me. I was. I asked the, the people, and they said that is totally not That's true. That's so I weird. Where they got I don't know why they just don't go with it. You well, know what? Just go with that urban legend. Because I worked on a show called The Beer Diaries, and the people at Oscar Blues are in that show, and oh. they talked about that story. Okay, I, well, maybe this person had bad information. Then. I don't know. It's really right. weird. But, uh, either way, it's good. Whatever, the legend lives on. Wh- however they came up with a name, the beer's good. Yeah, agreed. Which it, is really is the most good, important thing. And they are good people. They also do other... It's weird, the collection of stuff they do, because they make beer... They make sodas, which, by the way, I had their uh, black cherry cream Why soda. Why do we have any of that? Yeah, because they don't can it here, and so we can't get that. That yeah. sounds fucking yeah. delicious. It's really good. You can they get it on tap of the, the brewery? Yeah, you can get it on tap of the brewery. Oh, can right. we go there after we finish <laughs> recording? Yes, like, exactly. Uh, and they make uh, bicycles. These are all good things, yeah. though. Oh, and dry rub. They make dry rub. These are barbecue. excellent things. Yeah. Dry rub, you can soda, buy all bicycles, beer. It's like a one-stop shop that, for weirdly arbitrary For, for shit that you like. <laughs> this is like the most Austin place ever. <laughs> <laughs> right on. There's probably a lot of beards. Yeah, it's got to be a lot of beards. Uh, thank you to some, and some subscribers as well. You guys are the only reason we can keep on doing this, and we need more of you. God, we need more of you. If we don't get more subscribers, we don't keep going. It's just that simple. So please... It's, not, it's a great price point too. Yeah, it's super cheap. I mean, are you even going to notice two or five or ten dollars coming out of your account once a so month? You spend but at we notice exactly. It's like, come on, you listen to the podcasts. Just put the money. You never even notice it's missing from your And Deliberations of Doom is free, but that doesn't mean one of us.net doesn't have amazing content that is uh, subscriber related. Yeah. Like Breakfast Pub is my favorite That's your podcast. Favorite. She I comes love. To me, she fangirls out on me about a podcast. I love Breakfast net. Pub. Yeah. It's. I mean, I don't have to watch trailers because I listen to Breakfast Pub. Yeah. That's an important thing in my life. Yeah, it goes. It's, it's several people told me the same thing. There's so many trailers come out every week. I don't know what to watch. I don't have time to watch it all, but I can listen to your show and go, okay, now I know the ones I actually want to take the yep, time to watch. Exactly. You know? And then watch a movie with us. Also pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Like they do commentaries. Even the it's Summers hilarious. Brothers have been on one of we've been on one, Yeah, and we're trying to get some more going. We want to do, speaking of uh, female directors, we want to do Point Break. I think we, <laughs> can, yeah. Point Break maybe, and Roadhouse. Well, now I'm thinking Strange Days because we're all super fans of good, Strange Days. Yeah. Let's just do a whole run. If Let's just do a movie. run. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not opposed to this. Um, I was on the Congo <clears throat> I'm sad that I missed I that. I was here for the Congo. Russ was, was here. It was, Russ did Congo. It was fantabulous, and I hadn't seen Congo in a while, and it was great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Russell. Mm. <laughs> the experience was great. I, don't know I would also like to point out that uh, being a subscriber makes you sexier. It does. It That's does. A proven I mean, I just think you're a more attractive person when you're a subscriber. I went from like a solid seven to an eight and a half <laughs> after I subscribed. Hey, I'd put you way higher. Than oh, you were an eight and a half. You went to a ten. Right. That's what went too down. Too sweet. <laughs> of course, you subscribe the easy way or the hard way by like. I guess I'll be on a lot of. I your guess podcasts. I have to work for it. I work for it. <laughs> All right, let's answer some questions. Yeah, let's we're gonna go right into the questions Boom. and start off with Brandon Mack. Uh, another very long-time fan who says, "Why does patients hate werewolves uh, so much compared to other monster movies?" So compared to other monster movies, I feel like I answered uh, this. He online. said, even after three episodes, <laughs> he's not really clear on why. 
Uh, we did three episodes of werewolf movies. I just okay. It's not because I hate werewolves. I just werewolf movies don't seem to have the same caliber as other, like let's say, vampire movies. The quality. Yeah, the quality. It's not as many offerings. It's, it's not. Really yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I, I just, Jack whole... Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer were in this. Come one. on, I mean, that wasn't even Benicio a werewolf. And Emily Blunt. I she mean, just doesn't a... like hair suit men. That's all. I don't think this. Have you seen Carlos's ponytail? <laughs> no, Carlos, seriously. take your shirt off. Let's check this no, out. I mean, okay. So first of all, werewolf movies. There's not a whole lot of them compared to other, like you know, creature features. If that's what we're gonna, you know, directly relate them to. But when you do look at other creature features, particularly vampires, let's say for example, the quality of the movie is so much better by far. Even Dracula 2000, which is the shittiest vampire movie I can think of, is way better than let's say Ginger Snaps. I don't understand. Uh, I'm waiting for the repercussions. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm sorry. It's it's not werewolves that I hate. I still don't feel like. So you just. So, so I'll give you this. I don't want to go huge down this rabbit hole because we did three fucking episodes. But, <laughs> but I think werewolf movies are stuck in a little bit because, like I said, yep. like I think I said, point on that thing. There's only two ways to do a werewolf movie: either I am a werewolf and I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do, or who is the werewolf? Great exactly. Name great name for a werewolf movie, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I am a werewolf and I don't, I don't know, know what the fuck, fuck to I'm do. do. Right, right. No, no, you're, <laughs> you're, so you're, no, you're exactly right. It's so I am limited. Rock it's so limited as far as it's just, and I just feel that limits the quality. Well, I think that. The movies that we have thus far, there's nothing like you can't really take it in an original way. Can Can I ask you a quick question? Yes. Of the werewolf movies that we watched, which one was the one you liked the most? I would say the one that I uh, well, I really like Brotherhood of the Wolf, but which that's was, not a werewolf which was movie. Still, kind of a werewolf. But yeah, an actual werewolf movie, I would say I like Dog Soldiers. Dog Soldiers. What yeah. about Silver Bullet? Oh yeah, I fucking love Silver Amer- Bullet. American but, in I mean, we did yeah, Silver Bullet in London. She didn't love it, really. Oh yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, it's okay. It's only one of the greatest movies ever we did, made. I mean, we'll we didn't do American Werewolf in London for the the podcast. Yeah, we, yeah, did. we did. Did we? Yeah. God. Oh man. Jesus Christ. Right. blew some brain cells. All right, what's next? What's full, the next full reveal. We do drink a bit sometimes. <laughs> oh my god. We next, did American Werewolf in London? Yeah. Oh, we did. Oh, we did. Yeah. Oh, it was a really good transition scene. Uh, uh, yeah. All right, so next question is from Mike, Michael Vanderpool, who kind of is asking two questions here. It says, Why do you think, out of all the different genres of movies, horror has the best representation of female directors? And a friend of mine is a big fan of Full Moon. Uh, the production company, and has been making me go through the Puppet Master series. Do you think you would ever do an episode on them? I would love to hear what you have to say. Fuck yeah. Um, uh, well, let's, first question. I'm not sure that Hard does have the best representation of female directors so much as that there's still, still this, an onus on horror that it's a, a masculine genre and that when there are female directors, everyone likes to point, look, 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 female directors in horror. I actually kind of a little bit disagree. I think it's because that female directors are overlooked in Hollywood. And I also think that horror is overlooked in Hollywood. So when a female director wants to do a project that sometimes horror is the only thing that they can do. Uh, just because they're, I mean, they're kind of like have the, the cards point. stacked against them. So I, I would, it's, I would, I, I would take issue only in the sense that, um, the women that I f- find that have done horror have chosen to do horror. So I don't, I don't want to say that they only did horror because that was the only way they could direct a movie. I think some of them did have, um, an interest in the genre itself. So. That makes sense. I mean, I mean, but Catherine Bigelow, for example, I mean, she just, 
I mean, she it may be horror. that the infrastructure of Hollywood is such that horror movies are, are a good entry point, and females who who don't have as much representation in that infrastructure find that to be a good entry point. But I, you know, I mean, like you know, even uh, what was the? I didn't like the movie, but the uh, was it the, the anthology female? Oh, it's, uh, XX. XX. Yeah, I mean, those women, terrible. you know, they wanted to do horror, which is great. That's I mean, true. That's a very valid point. But yeah. I don't know. I do, but so I'm just trying to think. Like, I don't know that horror is the best representation of 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 uh, female uh, directors, unfortunately. And I think that that goes to show just because we've done uh, a, a good amount of of podcasts about horror, and there has not been a lot of horror female uh, directors. Yeah, and so we've we've had to do this particular episode just about it, which is you know upsetting. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, I, I kind of agree with Patience, though, on the on your, on your point. Like, it is a big entry point. It is true. Because it's a like, good entry point for any director. Any director, regardless. Yeah. And, and horror movies, they make money. You can make them for super cheap. I mean, there's a reason why there's so many low-budget companies out there, production companies, that that's all they do. It's like hard, like a horror-related genre stuff. Lionsgate. That's like they just pump it out. And Blue somehow House. the shit that doesn't even get a theatrical release is still making money. You know, I mean, fucking trauma. How long have they been around for? Jesus. You know, like forever. They're 30, still making money. 40 years. You know, Gross. yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah, I totally go. I get that it's not going to be everybody's type of thing. It's not on the whole my type of thing. Like that sort of like let's just pump it out. We we have a a new show, Screener Squad, that's doing a lot of VODs, and they chose it was their decision, mind you, not mine, to cover the Jurassic Dead with a zombie T-Rex, and the Jurassic Games, which both came out in the same month by those, those type of companies. Those I was like, why did you pick those films? But, okay, whatever. But in relation to a second question, Full Moon, they're one of those early trauma-like companies yep. that was like, we have a thing that we do, they're super low budget, we pump these suckers out, and they all make money. So, and, so, and there's, I mean, so would we watch we're definitely gonna 11 do, Puppet Master There's a shit ton of... Well, I mean, like we're 11. definitely going to be watching... I have the box set. Up. I own the box We're set. definitely going to be watching not, Puppet Master. They're not great, but... There's something about the Puppet Master specifically from Full Moon that makes them a lot more entertaining than the rest of the stuff. You know in what my favorite is. is? Is I actually I know it's sci-fi, not horror, but I fucking love Trancers. Okay, like the original, the first Trancers. Yeah. Same, it's Full Moon, or but Doll Man. Yeah. Oh God, no. But <laughs> Trancers is the I, first and, one. And I would I, like to I say mean, Trancers, which has Oscar uh, winner, Oscar winner, Tony winner, and Emmy winner Helen Hunt. Yeah. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. Almost a, what is it, what's it? Almost an EGOT. EGOT. Yeah, Almost I was going to say ERGOT, but that's different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we will debate this further, but we have talked about doing franchises as an episode, so like Nightmare mm. on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, We said the fifth movie in a series? No, I said the third, the third movie. Third, third movie. Is all about, like, let's like, just do three Yeah, Dream Warriors, Puppet Master 3, yeah. uh, Phantasm but 3. But I feel like Halloween we should, 3. Halloween so 3. we'll debate Darkness. this further. I, it's definitely in the realm of possibility. I mean, we're eventually going to, you know, if we keep doing this, we got to, you know, yeah, we, we got to. Let's, let's hear what you guys have to say. If you guys want to hear three quills. I don't know, man. You're going to have to really talk me into watching Puppet Master movies. Yeah. That's a shit. No, it's, it's tough. Not like, to do a straight up, like, I mean, maybe if you did a thing, like, of companies like Full Moon or those third party companies, what are the best movies from those companies? Like, the ones that stand out as actually be worth watching. Should stick with like, for Trauma, it would probably be The Toxic Avenger, the first oh, one, God. which is, like, entertaining. 
you know, or maybe that was the James Gunn one, Tromeo and Juliet. Oh, dear. Yeah. All right, what's the next question? Anyway, next question is from Bradley Martin, who says, do jump scares ruin horror? Granted, I roll my eyes whenever a cat freaks out at camera for no reason. I always go, oh, a kitty. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's funny to see my darling leave. We literally have one of those in, in coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah. What are your opinions on jump scares? I have no problem with it as long as the movie doesn't waste too much time with them. If it's one after another just to because nothing interesting is happening in your movie and you feel like you've got to have... Because you're like, oh, it's a horror movie. There's got to be a scary moment. And so you just pack it with nothing but jump scares for the first hour. Then, yeah, I'm like, come on, guys. What the fuck? It's, I mean, I, th- I feel like a lot of like PG-13 mainstream horror films <laughs> use yeah. jump scares as a vehicle for horror. And I think that that's dumb. I mean, it's I'm over it. I feel like the more... Like, subtle movies are the scariest. Like, The Witch. Uh, the The Witch. A Hereditary. Good Night Mommy. None of these have good scares, and they're fucking horrifying. Let's not... We're not going to talk about Good Night Mommy okay. right now. All right, I got it. But, I mean, we're talking... Oh. Like, you know... I mean, I think, it, I think your, 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 your statement right there, none of these have good scares. <laughs> no, they, none of them have jump scares. Uh, well, oh. here's what I want to say about it. Um, there's this weird thing to me just in the past few years... That, that this has come up, that, that people have gotten into jump scares are bad, jump scares are lazy, jump scares are, you know, sort of inept filmmaking. I I disagree. As a, as a horror fan, I, I guess I'm sort of confused why there's this pushback against jump scares because, to me, that's one of the essential parts of, of most of the great uh, horror movies that you watch have jump scares in them. And I, I understand... There can be cheap ones, but I do like a nice fake out. Um, so sure. I, I, it's weird to me that, that you know, because I, I feel like, um, you know, we're a horror movie podcast. And I think as far as horror movies, you're talking about a few key elements that make a story a, a horror film. And one of them is jump scares. So... I, I'm more than happy to have jump scares. That's why I go to see horror movies. It's weird, like, in my head, when I think of jump scares negatively, I think of ones that aren't actually a thing that leads to anything scary happening, right? You go like, it's a cat. It's or, nothing. like, closing the medicine cabinet yeah, yeah. and there's nothing behind there's them. Nothing. <laughs> you know, but, it's just... but to be fair, like, a lot of people feel like there's, like, it feels like there should be two different terms almost because they're like, people are like, oh, that was a thing that suddenly startled you, so it's a jump scare. I'm like, yeah, but is it if that was really the horror happening? Like, like, like Michael, Michael, uh, sitting up suddenly behind Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween? Is that a jump scare? But I know. No, I think there's this subtle. idea that it, that it has the stinger music and, and, and you, you know, it's something, it's a weird image or something. I, I, I guess I just, maybe, maybe I'm just in the minority and I just like jump scares and I feel like that's why I went to see the movie. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that I feel like, Part of going to a horror movie is expecting a jump scare. If you don't get that, you may not really even enjoy the movie as much. I mean, I think so an audience loves to see. What about the slow burns then? That don't I mean, work. I feel like the slow burn is a lot of times something that leads to a jump scare. Um, and so I agree with you. Actually, I was talking to Rob about this last night. I said when you go to see a horror movie, a lot of what you're talking about are you know jump scares, um, the slow burn, which I think is also a feeling of of just creeping dread. That is dragged out for almost an eternal amount of time, and then some sort of uh, a supernatural uh, element, or or like a like a serial killer or something like that. That that you know you know is, a, and those three things make it a horror movie. That yeah, makes sense. I, you know, it's. I think the thing, the problem. Okay, so the thing with jump scares is, as a director, there's this thing that you kind of learn, which is um, 
you can't keep doing it. So I think when people complain about it, I think it's because they just keep doing it. So, like, for example, Spielberg kind of knows that in Jaws. So they have that amazing jump scare where he looks at the tooth. Do you guys remember that? Like, yeah. he swims down the boat, mm-hmm. and he's looking at the tooth, and the body floats into the shot. And you, it's an amazing scare. I'd never see, I never—I remember the first time I watched it. I mean, I just flipped out. But Spielberg knows you can't keep doing it. There isn't a lot of other jump scares in Jaws. That's the problem. You can't keep doing it. Right. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's like, it's fine to have one or two. And like Russ said, they are, there is an expectation of some kind of like visceral, holy fucking shit, I jumped out of my chair moment. But you have to have more going on. I think what, what, what people do now is, you know, there's some dumb movie. Um, and that's what they, that's what they do. You know, they, 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 they you know, they, 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 they amp the music and yep. something flies in the frame. And they do that a few times, like, well, it's a horror movie. And you're like, this is bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't scared the rest of Like, yes, I was surprised. You surprised me, but that's, that's not a good story. Definitely what I mean by the PG-13 mainstream. Like the Blumhouse yeah. PG-13 bullshit. Just, like, you're like, this is crap. On. Like, that's the I, only I like thing the they have. Right. So I don't like I, to, well, I mean, we like all a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. no. PG-13. All right, what's I'm next? Uh, I, I will say, if it is a cat scare, at least you get a kitty. Kitty! Oh, kitty! Oh, yeah. like so cute! Oh, you've been dead for like 20 years. Oh, we're going to talk <laughs> Every about time that. I watch the, the, the Amityville Horror with the, one of the most famous cat scares, I, I'm always like, oh, okay. oh, shit, you've been dead for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that and then it turns around and gets scary again. Uh, that movie sucks. Uh, uh, okay. Um, CJ Hot Takes Stevenson. God damn it, CJ. <laughs> says, I like this guy. No, <laughs> shout out to CJ. He's always, he's always on. It <laughs> says, the best use of, use of a horror trope that wasn't in a horror movie. I have no idea. Dude, this was the hardest question. I was like, no. um, it's gotta be a comedy, if anything, right? No. The only, well, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, the, I thought about this question for days, and I'm just like, I can't fucking, think of anything except for and I did not like the movie by the way but burn after reading when the dude I can't remember which dude it was was in the closet and then he killed Brad Pitt's character did he abide not that dude oh well it is the Lebowski some dude it's a a Coen Brothers movie God, of course it is. Um, that was the only thing I could think of. Like the closet scenes where they're waiting in the closet, but it's for comedic effect as well. I mean, still horrible. Like that one moment or also in the departed where, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character comes out of the, the elevator and just gets fucking shot dead, which is a, a jump scare. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess it would be. I mean, be. there's a lot of thrillers that engage with horror tropes, but I think that's because they're, it's hard to extricate those two genres yeah, from each other, yeah, quite frankly. Uh, and I think there's a lot of comedies that do it, but then again, they're doing it because of your meta awareness of it as a trope, more well, often than not. Rob and I talked about this for a while, and and we were talking about so the movie that has to be a movie that you wouldn't consider a horror film, yeah. but it engages obviously with a horror technique or a horror trope. Uh, we mentioned, um, and and obviously this will be. The, the kind I mean you would expect this, which is Spider-Man Two, when the arms of Doctor Octopus first sort of come alive. I believe it's in the opening. Yeah, it's the opening. And it is incredibly Evil Dead esque. Yeah, okay. he uses he shoots it like an Evil Dead movie. He totally and, does. And and it's it's great. I mean, you see Raimi going back to his roots and and employing this thing that is is 
not part of the superhero genre It's not really all. a trope, though. It's such a technique that's unique to Raimi as a director that it doesn't really feel like a trope. It's but just, it, it still feels his... like a horror movie more than like a superhero movie. Only you know because I mean? the only time we had seen him do that before was that and then The Quick and the Dead, which also did that. But well, I, think he, I think he... But I think that what's great is that you, you have this idea that, that Raimi is sneaking in this horror thing. And I think he also does it in Spider-Man 1... With the he has that great scene where uh, Defoe is looking at the the mask, the, yeah, and he, oh, he has a conversation and it's like with talking the mask. To him. Yeah, yeah, that was a really intense. And, and he, scene. It's, again, it's kind of a jump scare. the The other one, and I I thought about this immediately was uh, uh, De Palma because De Palma, obviously, we think of as a a horror thriller director who really. You know, made his bones doing that, and then he goes and makes other movies that aren't like that. So when you look at the Untouchables, you have the scene where the killer comes in to get uh, Sean Connery in his apartment, and it is played almost exactly as a an almost classic horror movie sort of POV shot, like a home invasion, like like like, like a a Halloween movie. or yeah. or Black Christmas, um, and and he's. Not even trying to hide the fact that it's that it's it's supposed to feel that way. Yeah, just like a WAP bringing a horror meme into oh, a thriller. Do we have to say <laughs> it's the WAP? That's the one I movie. know, but also that slow motion scene with the baby carriage going down the stairs, which was incredibly terrifying and untouchables. Yeah, once again, a straight up whole like unmissable tribute to just not even tribute, just flat out stealing from Battleship Potemkin, yeah, but nobody had seen. Battleship attempt. Great artist in America. That's, so that's, you know, there you, you go. Great, yeah. great artist steel, and I don't think uh, there's a better testament to that than the career of Brian De Palma. I just want to say, True. leave it to CJ to ask the most difficult question. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. He's like, do you, CJ? How much time do you think? Just you're just like, what'll stump them? What'll make them <laughs> I know. waste hours I of their day? Spent two days thinking about this. I did. Thing. I did. I All right, did. what's next? Uh, next last question. Is last question from Birdie the critic. Yeah, Birdie. That's a little presumptuous. Um, are there examples of horror movies written and directed by women that still come off as unintentionally misogynist? I'm like, sure, because it's a horror movie and it's got women in it and it's got killing and there will always be someone who goes, I don't care what you're trying to say. Ultimately, it's got women in violence, so it's misogynist. Well, There's I mean, been many takes on this. It wasn't until, what was it, Women I, I in think, Chainsaws I think it's came out? Fine. I, think, I, think, I think that that... That happens inadvertently. Probably you're right. The question is: is like, are they making a statement about it, or yeah. is it just sort of like, oh, shit. something that bubbles? Dude, right? Like, are they critiquing misogyny just, in horror the, films, the or is it just like, Ugh. in and of itself, are horror films inherently misogynist? Has been going on for sixty years. Decades. Well, yeah, they like, wrote that. What was the book uh, Chainsaws? Woman and Chainsaws, yeah. and, yeah. and something else. I think yeah. in the title. Well, but, I mean, yeah, which was kind of on the yes, horror movies are feminist not the other way around and make some very compelling arguments for it. That's one of the more recent like takes on the subject. But I mean, certainly like I said, like very eloquent people have had a lot of very eloquent opinions about it. Even about saying the final girl is not feminist. It's misogynist. I, well, I mean, 
even movies that have the final girl can be misogynistic. I don't. I don't necessarily oh, yeah. think that fi- that the final girl makes Nothing you feminist. Nothing with Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Obviously yeah. not, because we all uh, worship her. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because you have a final girl doesn't mean that you're like a woman's lib well, or anything like that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely a trope. But I mean, even Near Dark, which we just reviewed, is very rapey. It's very pervy. Yeah, there's some problems. Um, there's definitely some it's issues, by a woman. Yeah. and it's directed by a woman. And I don't think that it was misogynistic intentionally or unintentionally I just think that that's the product of the times that's a product of the 80s that's what you had to deal with back then um, Slumber Party Massacre which is w- another one that we're going to talk about really quick sadly, uh, sadly is incredibly life. like just basic so many problems with I that mean movie. so <laughs> basic as far as the way that women are treated in the movie but yeah, just because it has a final girl doesn't mean that you're like a champion of women's rights. I just, I, I mean, I just like, I just disagree. So yeah, the answer to this question is yes. Yes. Yeah, why didn't Ruth Bader Ginsburg ever direct a horror film? Yeah. I think what we're all asking. She wanted to though. Right I think she. I mean, dude, can, still still can we name? <laughs> can we name one horror film that is like legitimately like feminist? I mean, I think off the top of your head, I think there's quite. A, I would think Ginger Snaps flat out. Oh god, yeah. not not raw. I don't. I think I mean, raw I is pretty feminist. Yeah, I think that raw is definitely I like female It's not about feminism, but it's definitely not affected. It's not. It's not affected by the misogyny people talk about inherent in horror films. I, yeah, I think what you're looking for is a sort of um, a hatefulness towards women. That's a sort of casual awfulness, yeah. and there is some of that. I was surprised. I found some of that in um, XX that I didn't love. There was like a, there was like some some stuff. I, and I don't know that it was intentional. Maybe been critiquing it, but there was definitely some stuff. Like I was like, mm, I'm uncomfortable with this. See, I thought XX was more about being a mom. There was like There's so many like mom centric yeah, sort of storylines that I was like, yeah, maybe okay, I'm, maybe I'm can, can we just like be a women without being mothers? Yeah, maybe more than a womb. Yeah, exactly. And well, maybe and, and maybe that's one of the reasons why. I mean, I loved Prevenge, but also it's very yeah. tied to being. I mean, I wouldn't say. So it's I mean, it's an essential human experience, an essential specifically female yeah. experience. So. Obviously, you can't dis- dismiss it automatically and go, that's sexist because it's saying that's all women can do. Yeah. It's like, well, it's kind of amazing that you can do it at all. Just because so. I'm child-free doesn't mean mm-hmm. that like, I have a say. You're all about it. Yeah. <laughs> that I all right. have a say. Well, Let's, all right. Movies. Is that it? So, speaking of, uh, of like inherent misogyny in films, we're going to move on to what I think we all agree is the best film we reviewed in this session, which is Slumber Party Oh, Master dear Lord. Two. The I'm movie gonna, I insisted on. Uh, yeah, we shot. all got to pick one. I'm gonna need a shot for we this. We all got to pick one, and I picked and Chris this. motherfucking picked this one. Dude, I and love- I remember texting you guys. We're like, wait, I you just on the turned. Thread, I, think. I had to. Turn, I think I made sure you were on the thread. I had to I was turn like, off Dude. my notifications because you guys were so angry. <laughs> it was like me and the Summers brothers would were like just oh, just like sorry. we wasted a fucking pick on this. There no, we didn't. We didn't waste a pick <laughs> at all. This is astonishing. Uh, this is whatever. this is the 
maybe the best worst movie I've ever yes, seen. I just want you guys to know God. that while I was watching this movie, my hair puffed up times three, and then my socks multiplied Did times three. Did Carlos have to watch so, this? Uh, no, Carlos okay, doesn't man. have to I'm watch really any glad. of these. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I put this in my list of, of like movies that are so bad they're good, along with uh, Ninja 3 The Domination, um, uh, uh, what is it, Troll 2. This is one of those movies that This is me, not so bad, it's good. No, How I disagree. dare you mention this movie in the same breath as Ninja 3 Domination. I will never know, but this... I can never forgive Chris yeah. Cox. You've been saying that. You, this is like the eighth time you've said that. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get a. Plot. And again, I can never forgive. Let's get a plot on All this. All right. So, well, that, that's hard because there's not really. There really <laughs> is. No I mean, plot. Uh, yeah. To say this, that is this a, movie is coherent. Cheers, I mean, boys. it's not coherent. This movie is a giant train wreck. But that's it's the degree to which it's a train wreck that makes us as entertaining. That can I? It is. Can I? Okay. Can I? I, I don't. I, I'm going to interrupt you. I don't Please. think I like watching movies that are fucking train wrecks. Oh, I know. And I, okay. And that's why I was like... Patience, do you... I mean, do you like watching like a so bad it's sometimes, good movie? Sometimes. Sometimes. But yeah. this was not a so but bad it's good movie. I mean, yeah, but... Uh, but that's why I was like, when he said the Puppet Master thing, I was like, before? there's no way no. we're doing the... Yo, I had, yeah. You had this seen Silver Party yeah. Massacre too. That's so why you I knew like, what you were making us watch. Yeah. You know there's like a scene in this fucking movie where this chick is like a giant zit? Yeah. And she's like, I gotta get some more Oxy-10. Fucking cocks, man. Go on. Go on, say No, finish your little thoughts, cocks. Do you have a zip thing? Is that another thing I should watch out for? I have a slumber party massacre too thing. Hey, can we have a slumber party and then record it? Because I think that would be super cute. But in that, I'm going to take a guitar with a drill and kill Chris (laughs) Cox. How do you not love... Can you kill his bad taste? How do you not (laughs) love... Nothing can kill Cox's bad taste. How do you not love the dream killer that's like a, a... Ridiculous knockoff of Freddy yeah, I know, but it's weird to with me a guitar you, with it's a weird drill? because I think you think that's entertaining, and I think it's fucking awful, dude. Like, it's, I, it, but it's one thing after another in this film. It's not like just that. It's like this. Movie, I know. I watched the movie. This movie feels like someone made it now as a parody of the eighties. And yet it wasn't. It was made in the 80s. Like, right. as if someone traveled through time to make fun okay, of Okay, super quick. Uh, explain the plot to this movie. There All right, is so wait, really plot. quick. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Patience, to... can you explain the plot to this movie? Um, oh, God. Oh, oh this is, Don't ask. No. You know, okay. plot is no, a No, I got this. No, I got this. So, there's this chick. She's in a band. Um, she is a survivor from the first Slumber Party Although Massacre. I don't even think it's the same actress, I don't think. Who yeah. cares? Wait, Crystal Bernard's um, character had survived the massacre the first, in the first The first movie? Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah, I thought she it was, was just her sister had she, survived no, it. And she was but just, she was the younger sister. But was That's she there Crystal for Bernard, who was the big love interest on the show Wings. The Wings. Yeah. Also known as El Aero Puerto. <laughs> Wow. This is getting oh, so Carlos, great. That's a joke that made Carlos laugh. <laughs> just made Carlos laugh. I was like, so, for two episodes. Um, I got anyway, you. Anyway, <laughs> so she's having nightmares about the first slumber party massacre. As one does. And um, so her, it's her birthday weekend. Her and her girlfriends go away for the weekend. She has a love interest who's like 40 years old, by the way. <laughs> Every man in this movie has male fat like, baldness. Seriously. Well, they're all supposed to be um, teenagers. Yeah. yeah, they're supposed to be in high school, but dude is like at least my age. It's confusing. Um, and so they go away for the weekend because she cries and they're all in a band which is fucking hysterical. <laughs> um, like the 80s like Go-Go Girl. Yeah, the Bangles. Yeah, the, the Bangles. Like I yeah. wish 
Yeah, but, but that's that. what they're going for. So, so I'm anyway, not saying they're that level. Um, Rob's all like, fuck you, the Bengals were fucking major artists. I love the Bengals. <laughs> Susanna Hoffs. Uh, they start being attacked by this greaser, rockabilly. Dude, that doesn't happen until, like, the last 20 minutes. Literally. Dude, you texted me. And that's me. a fucking literally. No, but he, no, no, they don't start dying until you know, the last dude, 20 minutes. Dude, Patience texted me. She goes, like, nothing nothing happens to me, and then, like, it grows a plot for, like, the last 20 Seriously, minutes. Seriously, it's, uh, the the movie's, like, 124 minutes or something no, like that. Not. It's not. It's an hour and a half. And, it's the longest hour and a half of your life. It's and, 75 minutes. Okay, well, oh it's an hour What you mean is, it was a year. Okay, so it was the a year first of my life. 60 minutes, nothing happens. <laughs> it, nothing happens until the last 15, 20 minutes. Okay, you're max. not doing the plot description now. Oh, you're going okay. with your review, so, anyway, so. this rockabilly greaser guy in. Is he the full... killer from the first movie? No, no not even close. Not what even. the fuck? She's like his dream He's version of it. He's a figment of her imagination. That somehow becomes real. So, because, no. Because, as they said. The, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies that started happening and everyone and the producers were like, well, if we're going to do another one, we should try bringing some Nightmare on Elm Street type stuff. Like make dream, him like a character. The dream killer, you know, that comes to you in your dreams. He's the dream killer, but in the end, and I'm not even going to care about spoiling it, like we find out that she's just insane and she's been in an insane or, asylum or the whole entire she? time. So she's just imagining... The whole entire thing, it's just a figment. Like, nobody exists, including the greaser. Dude, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't get, like, that you guys find no appreciation for this, personally. Because I'm watching this. There's a scene where he's stalking, and I'm not clear if it's in a dream or if it's supposed to be real. He's stalking the main character, Courtney, and he's singing. It's a musical number the whole time. He's playing and singing a rockabilly song. Do you hear the scene you're fucking describing? Yes. By the way, that's 50 minutes into this fucking movie, which was almost fucking interminable. Okay, so, and it was barely an hour long. So there's a lot, like, he has, like, this fourth wall moment during that song. It's called Let's Buzz, by the way. Everybody, yeah. let's buzz. Oh, I get it. I see what you did there. Um, and he. Because it wouldn't make more sense if you had a chainsaw. But you this know. is the stupidest movie I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah, you um, loved it then, right? No. Oh shit! I hated this. I'm sorry, because I feel the same way. Except I love it for that. Um, it was a solid 25 minutes, and I counted um, 25 minutes, give or take a couple minutes before the titties came out. Yeah, and weirdly, <laughs> the actress in here who plays one of the friend characters, one of the major characters, who is a was a very famous Playboy playmate. In her contract said, I won't do it if I have to get naked. And you're like, what? What? Everyone else in this movie gets naked. But the Playboy Playmate is like, I'm too good to show my boobs in Slumber Party Massacre There is like a character in this. I think his name was TJ, who just reminded me of like an evil Ed Fright Night ripoff. Did that guy who's like, yeah, he's like the rapiest guy ever. Yeah, he's so rapey. Half his dialogue is this. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's so awful. It's so but awful. But that's what's funny. It's so it's so no. over the top, ridiculously no. terrible that you're like, you guys had to know that this was bad, right? You had to know. There's there's a couple things. It's the I, 80s, I will, man. By the way, this, they didn't know this director's from Austin, Texas. Yeah. The um, there's a couple things I did like about the movie. I know it's weird, right? Um, what just happened? One of the things I like about the series, uh, Slumber Party Massacre, is that this is one of the very few series that you get where there's not the same killer. Every single killer in each movie is different. So you that's kind of cool. 
I mean, well, I read the plot synopsis because I <laughs> I couldn't bring myself Dude, to watch I mean, the rest of them. Yeah, you're reaching. Um, I also <laughs> like the fact that it did break the fourth wall, which is something that you didn't get a lot in the 80s. And I feel like that's sort of a new thing. It's so weird that all three of these films called Slumber Party Massacre that feature a lot of naked, like, you know, a slumber well, a parties were directed and written by women. Like all three, yeah, there's not all a lot of three of them were. There's written. a little. No, there's only there's. They're what? definitely directed yeah. by women, but yeah. are by all, all three of them by written women? by all three of them are directed by women. Yeah. And this one is written by the director. And this I one feel is, like yeah. all three of them were written, written is by a strong the word. Well. But I feel <laughs> like this <laughs> yeah. is true, definitely true. I, not really a word I would use. This definitely fall. I mean, this is the product of the '80s. I mean, this is just like But is that an excuse when you come up? It is. I think within a year or two of 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 near dark. No shit, man. This is true. It's the same year. They're not same year as. They're not trying to compete with Near Dark. This or is not the same thing. But you act like the badness of this film is intentional. They, or are no, even no, something of merit. No, no, I mean, I said it feels like it is because it's at that degree that you're like, this is insane. How would anybody consciously look at the final cut of this and go, this is releasable? You know, but I feel the same way about fucking Plan 9 from Outer Space. And nobody, you guys have seen Plan 9 from this Outer Space. This is the same year you know? that Lost Boys came out, that Near no Dark shit. Once again, out, you know? they don't have an $80 million budget. This is not what they, they were chasing We have after. discussed on this podcast numerous times your budget is not an excuse they had for the quality of your film. It's not, but sometimes having almost no budget is an excuse to go the but opposite. You act way. like you act like the budget thing is like Russ said, like a merit. Like it, the budget isn't important. It, it, they could have they could have spent a, a gazillion dollars on this fucking movie. It's still fucking terrible. Yeah, like, this it, is it's, a fucking. You, terrible you can spend movie. a gazillion dollars and problem. make Transformers. Four. But it's a, that's the thing. Is like it's one nonstop. Terrible thing after another that's so, so you, you ridiculously terrible. The and awful 70 minutes that it over runs. Over the top terrible. 75. But absurd and surreal terrible, which there's most terrible films aren't surreal. Okay, so this is explain like to me, surreal. Wait, 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 wait. Uh-huh. Explain to me why you like this. Just because it's batshit insane? Yeah, it's so insane. Because, look, I don't. With bad movies, yeah, there's a consciousness to a lot of bad movies like Birdemic where you go, bored now. Wolf Cop. Yeah. Well, Wolf Cop even at least has a few moments that you're like, well, that was fun. The penis to werewolf transition. A movie that's like, they were like doing the best they could with what they had and yet came up with something this truly fucking bad. And they were like, would they really, I guarantee you, they really thought, oh, this is going to be cool. People are going to like this because it's like taking the slasher thing and bringing in Nightmare on Elm Street, but also rock and roll. It's just such a glorious miscalculation on every level. Down, I mean, I can't think of anything about this film that that is a not a miscalculation. So and, you and, like to and, watch the world burn? Is that what but, you're trying but, to say? But it was never. You guys were like, "I'm bored." I'm like, I was never bored watching this movie because even before even the be? horror even gets into it, it's everything that's happening is like, "What the fuck is this?" Russ, it's just so laughable. I don't Russ, know. You have, you have thoughts on this? Movie? Are you? Are you? Are you guys? Well, I mean, patients? the only the only other thing I would like to comment on is that they're not wearing seatbelts, and <laughs> <laughs> that really bothered me. Uh, you know, wear your I don't belts. think they made the seatbelt law yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, fair enough, fair please, enough. can you please wear your fucking seatbelts? Fucking patience with their seatbelt thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. Everybody, wear your fucking seatbelt. Thank belts. you for your service. Babe. Yeah, you're welcome. Russ? And also, I like the fact that they're drinking New York seltzer because I miss that. Are oh. they? And it's making a comeback. I don't is know that what a that thing? Is. What is? It's it was an '80s thing. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. 
Um, you know, quickly, just to pick up on patient saying, um, as far as 80s things, there's a there's a, a concentration on cheese whiz in this movie, which is <laughs> a very incredibly 80s thing. If you want to know what the 80s was actually like. It's gross. Um, wow. Uh, where do I go with this movie? Um, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> pillow probably, fight? You want to start with the pillow fight? Do I? I don't know that I want to start with anything in this movie. I mean... I, I don't even know that I, I necessarily want to beat up on the movie. I mean, I just, I didn't love the movie. Uh, uh, first of all, holy fuck, it's Crystal Bernard from Wings. Yeah. Who I like and I think is a decent actress. And obviously Wings um, had a lot of really great actors who we still see in really Steve great movies Weber, today. Right? Steve Weber, Tony Shalhoub. Um, Thomas, Hayden Thomas Hayden Church, Wings. Uh, Tim Daly, huh? I forgot about uh, 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 Steve Weber being in Wings. But, but just yeah. so many great actors came out of that. And I think Crystal Bernard is a really good actress. And I, she'd been in some stuff before this. And, and she's just... I, I can't believe how um, not great she is in this movie. I was, I was very <laughs> upset and, and disappointed. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Well, and I... But she hadn't started here. She'd been in other stuff. And then she was in this movie. I... Okay... Um, <laughs> nothing happens in this movie. It's so boring. I, I think that's really my thing. When, when we watch a lot of these old movies, these these bad movies from the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, these these driving movies, the exploitation movies, I think what you really you, you pick up on is how boring these fucking movies are. Like. There's no story. Nothing happens in this movie for like 45 fucking minutes. It's not... It's barely an hour. <laughs> and nothing happens in this fucking movie. And I will... I will give you guys like... Okay, let me just ask this question. <laughs> why is he a rockabilly guy? Like, that's I mean, it's beautiful about it. It makes no sense. <laughs> and, and again, like, you see that as a feature and yeah. I see that as a bug. I see it as a I, feature. I... I, I, I he, he's a rockabilly guy. And, it would have wanna, worked if he wasn't a rockabilly guy. But let me, guy. nothing about this movie works. And I want to <laughs> but, but say real, real quick about the rockabilly guy. He's good. I mean, he, he can fucking dance and sing, and, and he's got Do kind splits. of... Dude, if I have to be murdered by someone, I wanted to be by this guy. Right? I don't fucking remember that. You said that. But, but I, I, you know, he he's, he's a talented... Performer, I don't know as an actor or whatever, but but he's a guy like he he started dancing. I understand like, listen, this movie. I'm watching this fucking movie for like 50 minutes, going like I'm gonna fucking kill Chris Cox with a fucking guitar with a drill on it when I see him next, and 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 then suddenly, it all have been worth it. Then. Oh my god, and my plan this company, that's solution. Go ahead. That's how Cox I'm wants tired. to go out. That's how Cox yeah. wants to go out. So let's all remember that. Yeah. Um, but you got to sing while you do it. <laughs> let's buzz. <laughs> I will not. Just out of fucking spite. No. So it doesn't but, work. But it, but it, but it does go into. I get what you're saying. Like, and I I think this is the thing. When 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 Chris picked this movie, he said there's kind of a you know this movie uh, it's got some some fans and some people and they talk about like the guitar with the drill and all that stuff. And I understand that. That it does have this weird thing where he starts to do the guitar and and he and he excuse me he does the 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 dancing and the singing and which was for what it was and considering how horrible the first part of the movie was which was fairly well handled and was interesting 
But I, I, I guess to me, I feel like that was not enough to excuse what had come the forty-five <laughs> minutes before that. Um, but, but it was, it was. I agree with you. It was sort of batchy. It was, and I think I have been on record in this podcast is saying I'm all about bad shit movies but it was not bad shit enough for me to excuse the the rest of the film and and it just like I said it just didn't make any sense to me and it, it sort of had this weird ending with her it, maybe it was all in her mind is that is that what we all got yeah. okay, yeah, I mean, maybe sure but what difference all. does it make you know, at the same time, you're just like, are you You're, still following the That's not an plot argument at that for, for the movie. Yeah, that's, that's uh, definitely not. You know, that. but it, 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 is from the, it is from the way that I'm liking it for me. It's like, yeah, I don't care what actually is happening. I'm just enjoying <laughs> it for like nonstop just, train wreck moments. I'm glad we just got our first rest rant of the I, night. And I apologize. I didn't see How that could coming. it be any other way? Yeah. Dude, um, I, do I will, not apologize. I will admit rant. there's a little part of me when I said, no, I'm making this my pick that was shot and already hoping for a rest rant. So. <laughs> I'm sorry I've used my Russ rant for evil. Um, you got any other thoughts? Okay, no, real, real quick. Yes, um, um, give in to you know, the dark side. And, and so, so Rob and I talked about this movie because we talked about, as we talked about with some of these other movies, what, what is the organizing principle? Is there is there something? Because that's what Rob and I said about this movie was, if you're doing some sort of master thesis about 80s movies and perhaps like feminism and 80s horror movies, then this would be a movie you would watch and, and, and possibly talk about. So I do feel like there's that idea of the, which is a very, again, very 80s, um, uh, uh, trope. The, the idea that, that you tell the, the virginal girl, like, don't have sex. It's bad. Like the horrible things will happen, and, and you're and gonna get drilled. You're gonna get drilled by this, <laughs> and, and so he has the very phallic drill thing, or whatever. And and so maybe that's something redeemable we can say about the last, you know, fifteen fucking minutes of this movie. <laughs> uh, but but other than that, like I really couldn't come up with any other reason for this to exist. It's it's a very exploitative. Crappy, like Roger Corman '80s movie. Um, Give in to uh, so fuck this movie. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Rob, go ahead. I don't. I don't think I have much more to add. I mean, I apologize. No, I, I think you, dude, scorched that. earth, motherfucker. Yeah, like that's great. But <laughs> this, I, I, you know, I watched this movie because we have this fucking podcast. There's no way I would have watched. I would have finished this movie under any other circumstance. I think the the guitar drill is really neato. Um, the girls are really cute, which has helped a lot because at least I had something to enjoy about the movie because there was so little going on in this movie. I mean, name one decent line of dialogue in 70 minutes of the movie. No, yeah. I can't. And But it's weird. Like, you know, watch this movie. I struggled with it because it starts and there's an implication of like a, a supernatural manifestation of this killer. And that was... To, for about five, ten minutes, I was kind of intrigued by that. This idea that Crystal Bernard, who, again, like Russ said, is a really good actress and is fucking terrible in this movie. She's just bad, and I, it's obviously the movie's fault. And where they are is hideous. Like, the, the little house they stay in is so gross. Like, I just wanted it to be over. Like, I just couldn't even look at it. And, <laughs> dude, just from a visual standpoint, like, as a director, I'm like, this is the location you picked? Like, I know you had more options. Like, this is it. This looks like uh, like a fucking timeshare from Florida. It's awful. It probably was. Yeah, it probably was. Um, but, you know, I, I felt like there might be something else. Like, Chris was saying, like, I, like Chris, you gr- you latched on to sort of the, the terribleness of the movie. Like, you know, it's this sort of giant miscalculation of an, of an event. And 
I looked for something more like, what is this? Is it up to something? Like Russ said, like, is it about something? Is there yeah, that something was going- your mistake? It, <laughs> it was. That's on you. But but also, um, that's my expectation of a fucking movie. So I I, I mean like. You know, I, we, we, Russ and I met with this guy one time, and he was like this manager in L.A., and he said this thing about, we asked about movies, and he said this thing, and he said, I just want to see you put some fucking thought into it. And and when I watched this movie, there was some thought. Like, the killer is, I was, the, the killer is so what the fuck. He's highly stylized. Right, and, and but it was so bizarre. Like you said, like, it breaks the fourth wall, he's like this rockabilly killer, he's got this drill that's a guitar... It's bananas. Like, it's like, it's not uncreative, but when you watch the movie, it doesn't function. Like, it's just so bizarre. You don't really know what it's to It's not like cool in like a Rocky Horror Picture kind of way. No, and, and. I wouldn't compare it to that. But in a way, you know what? That's, in a, in a sense, this would be an amazing. Uh, if they did this as like a like a like a Broadway musical. yeah Broadway musical theater then thing might that would be, be kind of awesome funny. actually I am totally I would be down for that like so in Funny Masker too um, but they had that scene with the fucking giant zit on her that face. was pretty gross it was a I like fucking that disgusting scene. which yeah. is whatever but um, it goes nowhere like I'm like why like I'm just trying to imagine this director wrote this. Then had to explain to a bunch of people, and then I need you to make this actress's face into a giant zit, and then I need to explode, and we need to film it. We are going to do this together, whatever. And I thought, like, nobody was like, yeah, maybe we should cut this. This is fucking stupid. Nope. It's in the we, movie. we got to fill out 70 minutes. I mean, yeah. when you watch this movie, was there anything in here that felt like someone was job was to say, we should cut this, it doesn't work? <laughs> but, um. but I guess I guess I'm just, like you said, like... You know, um, it's fine that the movie's kind of batshit or doesn't go or doesn't make sense or whatever. But it, it's too bad because I feel like there's stuff going on here. Like it, they're struggling with ideas, but the movie just it sucks to watch. I think that's the problem. Is like cool, there's shit or whatever. You know, there's like ideas, there's bizarreness, there's stupidness, or there's craziness. But when you watch it, it's just it struggles. Like why they got ideas. <laughs> they got the ideas. They, they got ideas. No, the Summer Brothers mentioned ideas. Yeah, so I, I mean, yeah. I, I do. Uh, if I you're do, playing your drinking game at home, the Summer Brothers have mentioned uh, ideas. ideas. I, I do have a, a line from the film. It's um, one of my favorites. It's <laughs> that's a really heavy trip. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, that's the way this movie. And is. It yeah. really was. It really was. That's All a really right. heavy Somebody, trip. Deborah lives here in in Austin. Like I said, we should try and get her on the Broadway adaptation. We should try and uh, get that together needs with her. To on that. I would not be opposed to making that happen. All right, what's the next? What's All the next right, movie? the next movie. Uh, and yeah, I admit that was it's a bad movie, but I love Cox, it. Cox, can I ask you a question? Did you troll us with this fucking movie? I mean, in a way, but I do genuinely enjoy watching Slumber Party movement. Like, like, it. so that seventy five minutes for you is like enjoyable. Yeah, totally. The funny thing is, is I was like, why didn't we watch the first one, which was also directed by yeah, a I female? Thought that too. And he was like, uh, because it's so fucking boring. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? The well, no, first, the first one? one's got like nothing going on that's distinguished from anything other than it's directed and written by women and the obvious metaphor of the killer has this huge fucking drill, drill that he's impaling women with and I'm, I watched and I was like I really don't get why this spawned two sequels I don't understand it's got a great name yeah. I mean, it does have a great name. What about Sorority House Massacre? Was that any good? I don't know. Oh, I'd say God. that had like two sixteen. I mean, you know we're going to have to watch yeah, that shit sure. now. Yeah, I don't know. Next I mean, like, is Pet Cemetery, which yeah. is actually... Yeah. Yeah. Really? 
Yeah. Right, so they're filming the remake right now. As yeah. We speak. The directors of Starry yeah. Eyes, so Jason Clark. I'm yeah. so excited. Uh, Jason Clark is the lead. Uh, John, John Lithgow, Lithgow playing Judd Crandall. There's, some, some There's a, a, a big actress. Man's Hall Estonia, Lewis. That's the best I can do. <laughs> but we're not talking about that because we haven't good. seen Thank that. Thank you. Thanks. Thank yourself. We're talking about the Mary Lambert adapted version of the Stephen King novel, which he was the first movie, and not the last one, but the first one he actually wrote the screenplay for. What about Maximum Overdrive? This is the first Yay! one he wrote the screenplay for. No, this comes out one. after Maximum Overdrive. This comes out before Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, this is well, before. No, no, no. I'm sorry. After Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. Well, Maximum Overdrive is like 86. Maximum Overdrive is before. Okay, I don't tell you. This, this is, is what IMDb guys. said. Maybe they're IMDb wrong. IMDb is so. wrong. They're wrong. Because, wrong. Because, because King wrote the screenplay for this. Well, Look it up, Bob. I'm looking it up. Regardless, right apparently King was kind of hardcore about making sure they stuck to the script because he was one of those irritating writers on set who wouldn't leave. God damn it, Stephen just King. Like, who would like, they'd talk about doing something Which else. Which is weird. I mean, of all the people. And you're It is Stephen King. Yeah. I'd him be on my set. Yeah, but. Same time, a little intimidating, and they're like, "No, you're sticking to this." He claims to this day that this is the only thing he ever wrote that scared him while he was writing it. Really? Yeah. He writes Maximum Overdrive. That's that's like eighty seven. Yeah. This is eighty nine. This is eighty six. Is fucking Maximum Overdrive. But uh, so he written the screenplay before. Yeah, I just want to make that. But point. it is time for one of the Summers brothers to give the plot description of a yeah. film. So whichever one of you wants to take it, when you tell the, I don't know. Negative three viewer listeners out there who haven't seen nor are aware of the plot. I mean, so, honestly, if you haven't read the book or seen the movie, Pet Cemetery is or watch about, the Simpsons um, episode based on it. It's, it's about, a, about <laughs> a pet cemetery. It is about a pet cemetery. It's about a, a family that uh, moves to uh, a, a small play, a, a small town in Maine. Uh, where the dad's going to be a doctor <laughs> at the university, and um, they have a neighbor, an older neighbor, and um, he shows them uh, near their house. There's a path that leads to a pet cemetery um, where everybody buries their pets because huge trucks drive up and down the street in front of their house, uh, uh, and um, uh, a lot of pets get get knocked off. So the kids have buried them in this um, pet cemetery, and uh, eventually, what happens is um, the daughter's cat gets killed by one of these trucks while the family, while most of the family's away. And the uh, neighbor takes the dad beyond the pet cemetery to a Mi'kmaq, uh, which is a, a Native American tribe's uh, burial ground, where if you bury something, it comes back to life. And they bury the cat, the cat comes back, and uh, it's not the same. It's kind of a more vicious, weird cat. And, um, and then what happens is, unfortunately, the uh, child of the family, the, the younger boy, gets hit by one of the trucks as well. And um, the dad, while the family's away, uh, buries the kid up there to see if he'll come back. And uh, he does. And, uh, and as patients would say, hilarity. Hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue, yeah. <laughs> shit, shit, shit doesn't go as, it, as planned. Um, and uh, that is the, basically the plot of Pet Cemetery. I Very think. succinct, Bob. Thanks, thanks. I do what I can. Good job. Um, do you, you want to start? Sure. Yeah, uh, I fucking, uh, so this is one of the movies... Um, I can admit is probably one of the movies that scared the shit out of me more than any other movie. I did not watch this movie for fucking years because the sister in this movie, the Zelda, sister, Zelda, the played sister, by a guy, played by a guy. Is she a spinal meningitis? Yes. Yeah. Um. So the 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 wife in the movie, her sister has spinal meningitis, or when she was younger and she dies. It is. Utterly terrifying. It gave me fucking nightmares. I thought about it for fucking years, no, and I, I, I could not rewatch this movie. That's the scariest part of this whole It's film. fucking intense, and um, if you've never seen this movie, it is really amazing. But, so, I had kind of a mixed 
bag with this movie because I didn't really, you know, I remember it being like, it's a lot to take. So there's a jogger in the movie who sort of Pascal. haunts the movie, Pascal, and he he's, in the beginning of the movie, he's hit by, um, he's hit and the doctor tries to, the dad tries to save him as a doctor and, and then he haunts the rest of the movie trying to warn them about the pet cemetery and that, you know, you shouldn't mess with it, you, you shouldn't have anything to do with it, I want to help you, you help him me. Him and the Ramones. Huh? Him and the Ramones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ramones. Uh, a yeah. shout out to the Ramones Every Pet Cemetery song, yeah. which is fan- fucking fantastic. One of the fucking great. Yeah. I don't want to be very sorry. Yeah, it is a great jam. It, you kind of have to sing along whenever it yeah. comes up. Sure. Um, so uh, I've, re- I've read the book. Um, I read a lot of Stephen King when I was younger, and this book is very. Um, it, it made an impression on me, and it is a faithful adaptation of the book. Um, so I hadn't watched this in I mean, I don't think we watched this in years and years and years. Um and rewatching it, I was somewhat skeptical. I was like, Yeah, I know this is just gonna kinda bug me, but you know, the movie's this is the movie good or I really, really, really enjoyed this movie on the rewatch. I felt it was affecting, it was scary. There's a tragedy and a sadness at the center of this movie that um is very affecting and very um I don't know. There's something about this movie. I told Russ, I said, um, there's images and ideas in this movie. If you've only seen this movie once, and I've really only seen it one or two times, that stay with you, that you, like, think about. Um, and I think the movie is indelible in that way. I think that um, uh, uh, Fred Gwynn, right? He is amazing as their neighbor. He's never been better in fucking anything. He, you really remember him, the way he talks, the warnings he gives. It's a really emotional performance, which I think is really impressive. Um, and, uh, you know, I think him, I, the sister stuff is still fucking crazy. Like, it's still, like, really intense and weird and sad. Um, when you watch it even now, I, I think, you know, I don't know if the makeup holds up. I, I don't really think it scared me in the way it did when I was younger, but it's still a thing. Like, I think it's still a really disturbing, freaky image. Um, the movie's pretty tight. Like, I think, like, everything pays off. You know, the the shit where um, the jogger tells him, the jogger wakes up uh, briefly in the... Um, in the operating room or in the in the in the hospital, and he tells the dad, um, "A man's heart is stony," and he sort of warns him. And then uh, the neighbor, Fred Gwynn, says that again. It's such an amazing moment. Um, I love that. Uh, I think it's a great setup and then pay payoff. Off. Yeah, and I think the pet cemetery itself, like the cemetery, and then definitely the Micmac burial ground, is really memorable. It's a really amazing set piece. Um, yeah, I've never forgotten it. It's so, you know, the, 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 the circles and the lines. Um, I, yeah, I just, movie is, I, I think this movie is kind of a, a cool deal, man. And I think, I think about it a lot, especially, you know, you talk about something like, you know, Summer Party Massacre, but the choices this, <laughs> this movie presents, which is like, if a loved one was, if you lost, a, if a loved one was taken from you, what would you do? You know, like, wouldn't you want to do that? And, the movie has an interesting answer, which is he says, "You know, man, sometimes dead is better," and that's a really fast. I think you, this movie grapples. Sometimes dead is better. Sometimes dead is better. I can't. Yeah, sometimes you really, but sometimes dead is better. Yeah, and I, I think this movie grapples with the mystery of death. I think the characters in this movie grapple with death in a way that you don't always grapple with it in movies, you know? Or, or even particularly horror movies. Yeah, I mean, I think death is such a big part of horror movies. This movie really is like, 
concerned with it. And I think it, it, it has an answer to it. And, um, you know, and I think the characters, they're so grief stricken and, and hurt. They don't know what to do. And I, I mean, given that choice, like, you know, they, I think, uh, Fred Gwynn tries to warn, um, the dad, he says like, you know, there was this other family and they did that and it ended horribly. And even then wouldn't I, you would do it. I would do it. I wouldn't even think about it, you know? And, and I think the movie, cause I, I, I think the movie is, um, Kind of a retelling of the monkey's paw. Did anybody else think that? Yeah, I, don't know that. I thought about bit. that. You know, that sort of like that sort of. Is that the, the, the sequel to the first monkeys movie? <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that. No, but but I think that idea Take of the like last train to pet cemetery. Okay, but there's like a wish. There's like a wish fulfillment idea to this movie that you you don't know what to do with death. You just want people to come back. And I think the movie does a great job. I, man, I think like the gauge like. Cutting his fucking Achilles heel, dude. Like, that kid was thir- thirty-three months old. He's that amazing. Months old. He's amazing. So creepy. He's amazing. But the, the daughter's amazing First too. I play with mommy, and I mean, now I want to play with you. That's what I'm that's saying. Though no, the movie is incredibly memorable, and I and I I think it it has problems. You know, I mean, I think it's still kind of a low budget '80s movie. It has. You know, I don't think they nail everything, but I'm gonna let Russ talk about it because I could just go on and on. Russ. So, Russ. All right. Well, first of all, I want to say what I want to say about Pet Cemetery is this: you don't want to be buried. I I don't <laughs> want to be buried at Pet Cemetery. So you're all witnesses. Good luck, Russ. Um, I'm burying you out there. If you if you bury your dead cat in the evil sour earth, and the cat comes back and it's evil, how could you tell? Uh, <laughs> uh, and I say that as somebody that loves cats. Uh, the, cat, the cat is like scratching. Have you met Monkey? <laughs> I'm reminded I, of the, I'm reminded of there's a classic short animated film called The Cat Comes Back where the guy's like can't get rid of the cat in the end he's like fine like fuck it and he dies and the cat dies too and then the cat ghost <laughs> won't stop following his ghost around I mean, he's that, like ah that's what I thought was like the cat kept scratching him and like hissing at him and I was all I mean seems like a cat to me I don't really know what the bad part of the cat is <laughs> I mean it just looks like a cat like I said and I say that as a you cat you know what you know what's so funny is I watching it this time I was like. I thought the cats were animatronic for a little bit. Well, and, and they look fake. What there's I had a, read a was there's several different cats, and I will say this: I could tell which cats it like. There were different cats. Like, well, this cat was kind of fat, and this cat. <laughs> it's was funny because like if it's a dog in a movie, it's like one, maybe two dogs. If it's a cat, it's like we gotta get like cats ten, twelve because cats. they can What's only he say train the Simpsons. If we want to make it look like if we want to make a cat, we just tape a bunch of cats together. Because <laughs> they're like, we can only train a cat to do maybe one thing. Yeah, and they're like, I yeah. can't believe you can train a cat. At all. This cat had to do all these different things. They're like, yeah, we're gonna need eighteen cats. <laughs> it's kind of like the parrot in Deep Blue Sea. But yeah, that was really never mind. No. Sorry, um, that's all right. Shout out to Deep Blue Sea. So shout out to Deep Blue Sea. So can we shout out to Point Break again? Shout out to Point Break. Shout out to Point Break. Always. Um, I, so I want to say about this is kind of a, a, a quintessential eighty Stephen King adaptation. It's it's kind of what I think of when I think of uh, uh, King adaptations from the eighties. It's got kind of these. Like functional camera setups, these sort of blandish leads, this ugly lighting, <laughs> this clunky opening. Yeah. Am I wrong? All that's no, totally you're true. You're, you're yeah. not wrong. That's that's kind but, of my and, issue. You know, kind of like, um, but this fucking movie comes together in a way, and I uh, uh, in a way that like uh, very similar to Cujo. I was, I, I, I this film. I I think with the script and, and King is the only credited screenwriter, so I don't know. Who else worked on it? But I think this is possibly one of the best scripts I've ever seen what? in a fucking horror movie. Yeah, really? yeah, no, seriously. I mean, 
it's like Rob was talking about. The setups, the payoffs, the premise, the idea, how it is executed. Um, I was I was kind of blown away by the screenplay, and I think you may have to extricate that from the direction of the film. And, and Lambert, as I said, like, she sort of directs it in this very 80s sort of, you know, it's a sort of TV thing. It doesn't look great. Um, she does kind of get out of the way of the story, and I think she she makes a very effective movie. Now, whether or not it all works at certain times, whatever, overall, I feel that the sum is so much greater than the parts. I, I really, I'm very impressed. And, and I know there's a, a documentary, um, we, we were talking about this earlier, about yeah, it's a making a feature-length documentary. It's like called Unearthed or something. And, yeah. and, uh, and Alive it and is called Unearthed and Untold. The and I, I didn't get to watch the whole thing. Rob, Rob and I were just starting it. But there's a, there's a film executive who talks, excuse me, who talks about the 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 screenplay for this movie and how she read it and she loved it and she championed it and she championed it over several different production companies yeah and and what happened was there was a writer strike and and so they were looking for screenplays that they said we need a screenplay that doesn't need to be rewritten and she picked this screenplay and her boss even said like don't fucking bring up pet cemetery but she did and this, he couldn't argue with and it. And he couldn't because, man, this fucking screenplay, I am telling you, this is a great screenplay. And I, I mean, just to give you an example of, of what I'm saying is just imagine Near Dark uh, era Catherine Bigelow directing this exact screenplay word for word. I mean, I so yeah. I, I think that about the movie. So that's really what uh, I, I was thinking about as I was I was watching the movie. Um, so you know the 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 flat there, there's some flat direction, but I think overall it it's a great movie. The the leads I I don't know that I don't love Midkiff and Crosby. They kind of suck, quite frankly. I disagree. You see, no. I know Rob and I we had actually a big talk argued about, about that. You had that great moment where where uh, uh, Jed has taken him to the pet cemetery, and they come back to the house, and the phone rings. It's a great scene, and they come back to the house, and the phone rings, and and the and he rushes to answer, and they're they're kind of exhausted. There's like this, there's like this idea that they, going to the pet cemetery was like it's really hard to get to, and I think the movie exp- expresses that in a really interesting way. Like it, they're in sort of these weird locations, and and it, you know, and he says like you know you got to dig, and it, you have to dig, I can't dig for you, and he's he's you know, Midkiff asks him, he says like, what did we do tonight, Jed? And he goes, it's a you know, what we did tonight is a secret, and. I think Midkiff expresses that. I mean, I, I don't know. I think he acts that. You don't. You don't think he, he conveyed that to, to a certain extent. I do. And again, but I want to give credit to Lambert King's script and and especially Gwen. I think Fred, Fred Gwynn is fucking awesome in this movie. He is amazing. He's probably I think one of the most iconic characters I've ever seen in a horror movie, and possibly one of the most iconic Stephen King characters. I don't disagree with you at all on that. Absolutely, I Gwen agree is the with, high point yeah. of this entire. He, film. he really is. He really is. And and uh, he kills uh, it. Yeah, so, okay, so I'm not even going to go on to that. But I would like to say, um, here's some advice. Um, don't follow creepy joggers. Like, no. I was sort of surprised, like, the creepy jogger shows up and he follows, sort of follows the creepy jogger. The creepy jogger was problematically handled in this movie. Um, probably, it's, it's way too literal. It's, it's a narrative it's, device and that's all. It's but fine, but it's I, think that a, I think that a different director might have handled him a little bit better. Again, like I said, I found a totally different character that actually had a relationship to these characters that when then you wouldn't have gone, why the fuck is this guy even involved in this at all? What what I love was he's wearing the little red shorts and they keep (laughs) cutting him in long shot. And then also I was like, I was like, I don't know how creepy this guy is when he's at like the airport rental counter for the car or whatever. I mean, I feel like, like if they brought in elements of like hereditary or something where it's like, let's do a thing where, 
they have a family member who well, died. Well, this was also 1989. Well, I, 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 I don't, I don't totally, being... but I just think, I think the, the way I think he was... The, I think the idea that he's not connected to them makes it more effective. Well, and he certainly, as you said, with the stony soil and all that stuff, I mean, he pays off in ways, like I said, I think was really... Can I ask a question, everybody, real quick? Because um, I think it was something that really struck me in this movie. There's a couple scenes that have sort of jagged editing. Like, the first time they introduced the jogger, remember, like, it just cuts, and there's all these people, like, freaking out. And they're bringing him in. Right, and the same with her, like, she's sort of running up the stairs in the airport. Was that effective for you? Did that work? I mean, it... it- it was for me just because I I enjoyed that aspect of it the movie. It made it feel manic. Okay, but it worked for you. Yeah. Okay, because it's a little disorienting because not all of the movie is handled in that way. There's only a few scenes that. Okay, well, but it's Chris. Uh, the cat. I'm sorry. Oh, the cat, right. is, okay. so, the cat so, is destroying patients. Speaking of cats, what I wanted to say was there's a scene, it's the scene where he has to bury the dead cat. It takes fucking forever for him to dig the shallow grave <laughs> for a tiny cat in a little thing, and it takes like like all day. Like it's like they literally cut as he goes through the thing, and I, I was like, I've dug a hole that big. You've dug a grave. No, I've dug it. It was actually <laughs> last year. Well, sure, it was last year. Short. We dug it at the ranch. You were there, and it was that uh-huh. big, and it took fifteen minutes. Sure. If that, if that. Yeah. Um, so I was sort of like from a realistic standpoint. I mean, to be fair, we did bury a body in it, but you know. <laughs> Um, I also want to say when Gage dies, um, that is some really bad parenting. Um, it was a very yes. poorly planned picnic to have it next to the Actually, giant. based on a, one of the real life, multiple that real did, life experiences yeah. that influenced oh, Stephen King, King, where his kid did run out in the road and he went out and grabbed him right before. A and and again, out. like that's what I'm saying about this screenplay. Um, there's just something about it that I think uh, we've, you know, obviously we've gone to the King before, but there's just something about King understands these very real-world things, and then he places this horror element in it that amplifies your fears and your anxieties. And and so that thing about it, I mean, I'm, I'm making it, I made a joke about it, obviously, but it's great. And and okay. um, the ending of where King ends it is so Stephen King. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Uh, anyways. Darling, I, it I, says. I just I just love this movie. I, I loved it and I know that it has problems and it's it's a you know, it's it's dated in certain aspects, but I, I just I adored this movie. I'm so glad you guys like this because I pushed pretty hard for Pet Cemetery yeah. um, to be included in this episode, even though we were thinking about maybe saving it for a Stephen King returns yeah. episode. But, or even um, our The Ones We Missed episode. Yeah, but I wonder exactly. Because this is definitely like, I mean, I think this is a quintessential horror movie. Like, if I you're a person who watches horror agree. movies, you watch Pet Cemetery. Uh, absolutely. And, I mean, this was a very formative movie for my, for myself personally when I was a teenager. Like, I mean, Pet Cemetery was was up there with Firestarter. We all know how much of a huge Firestarter fan yeah. I am. Um, but, you know, it makes... Shout out to Firestarter! <laughs> um, it makes me sad because Mary Lambert, I mean, she has done some of the most iconic music videos. Yeah. Uh, directed but this is some really of the, the only movie. But, yeah, and she's... It's weird, she's, too, because it's not a, it's a successful film. And she's barely even mentioned on the wiki for this, which, yeah. we, I mean, it's which makes me sad. She but did she's, Urban Legends Bloody Mary. Oh, that's... Fantastic! Wow. wow, wow! It has legend so. in the title, so legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean, her music videos are on point. Oh She's done a lot of Amazing. Madonna, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she did what? She did like "Nasty" by Janet Jackson. Yeah. Control, uh, like a Motley prayer, Crew, Queens like a prayer, White. Queens like, White, like, like a virgin. 
Borderline. Which which Queen? Borderline. Wait, Probably which? Silent Lucidity is uh, what I'm guessing. No, I don't think so. It's not Silent Lucidity. And she did Jet Mega City Python. Woman, maybe? She did Mega Python versus Gatoroid. Oh, wow. Just she did a lot. Isla Bonita. Damn, girl. So she's the... Okay, so your thoughts anyway, on the um, so as far as this movie's concerned, I this is probably like top ten Stephen King for me. Uh, Love right. Pet Cemetery. The book or the movie? Uh, both. Okay. I would say definitely both. It's so iconic. And like, I, I mean, I can't even talk about how amazing Fred Gwynn is. You guys already talked about how amazing... He steals the show, 100%. I remember thinking... Herman Munster is going to be in Pet Cemetery, And I remember being like, I don't know about that. And then when you see him, you can't imagine anybody else. And, I mean, when they cast John Lithgow in the remake. Great choice. I immediately agree with you. How I was like, do I think that John Lithgow is going to be fucking Lithgow's fantastic. so great at characters, extreme characters. He'll find his own take on it. And do well, he's a great actor. No doubt about it. Uh, one of the scariest things, and I agree with Rob right now, um, one of the scariest things and that I saw when I was a kid was that Zelda yeah. fucking clip where she's just like, oh, I can't remember. Rachel. 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 And then I mean, I was traumatized. I, by that. I did not watch Zapper. this movie <laughs> for years because Scary. Rob saw it before me and was so scared by that moment. And then when I finally saw it as an adult, I was like, oh my God, you were totally right. It was just <laughs> this horrible. And I did not watch it again until we had to watch it for this podcast. It's fucking terrifying. That whole scene with Zelda really like got... I mean, I thought that was one of the scariest things I'd ever seen in my whole entire life. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think that... He said, Lewis is such a good husband in this. Like, he's just trying his best. He just wants to, like, save his family. He does. Right. And he just keeps making terrible mistakes and not listening to Herman Munster. Like, why are you not li- listening to Fred Gwynn? Um, he, yeah, and the quotes. That's the only other part of this movie that I love. So, oh, there is a part, actually, that I wish they would have included. I'm hoping that they include it on the fucking remake. Which is um, the reason why Lewis and Fred Gwynn become such good friends is that Fred Gwynn's wife is actually in the book. And she's actually kind of a prominent character. And Lewis saves her life. And that's how they very first meet and become buddies. Oh, they cut and her then, totally Yeah, out. Wow. so they cut her completely sense, out of the sense. movie. You don't need it. And then, well, also, like, Gage and... Well, I think she ends up dying before Gage comes back. So, I mean, she's not really... But, I mean, I felt like that was, like, a very good part of their friendship, like a, a basis. Of that would make friendship. sense on the themes for the movie. Um, otherwise, yeah, the quotes, like, souls, then... <laughs> Man's heart, Estonia. Tens it. What about Estonia? But the whole <laughs> the whole movie's like that. I feel you know. I mean, I think it it always has. I, I think it's filled with all these great, really memorable yep. moments. You know. Yeah. And 
You, I mean, well, you you don't like it though, right? I, no, I have very mixed feelings about it. Okay, uh, but let me finish. Let no, me finish I, I'm, I'm definitely done. The only other thing I like to say is, unlike you guys, I did like the scenes with the wife and Pascal, like where he's kind of like goading her and giving her hands. I'm not I did, I, I did like. I'm not those saying scenes. I didn't like them. I'm just saying from a direction standpoint, they they definitely they were clunky. Down. They yeah. were definitely clunky, without a doubt. But I kind of liked. I mean, there was like kind of a tingly moment where, especially at the rental car where, you know, he's like, no, you have that Buick. And she's just like, well, I have the Buick. And that's not the right word, but whatever. You get it. You know, my thing with this movie is I think that Pet Cemetery, obviously, has been said multiple times by Stephen King, is one of his most personal novels. He like, there's so much from his real life that's yeah. incorporated in this. You can, it comes across. And I think like, I've read the book. I read the book before I saw the movie, and it scared the fuck out of me. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is his scariest book since The Shining. And watching the movie, you kept saying it feels like a TV movie, and that ultimately is why I don't like this movie. It's like, seriously, this is all you've got for this astonishingly terrifying story with mediocre performances, and I mean, like, less than mediocre performances by Dale Midgiff and Denise Crosby. I think they're downright bad. Wow. And it's badly directed. It's really badly lit. Holy shit. There's some lighting issues throughout this whole film that just, there's no sense of moodiness to it whatsoever. The whole thing just feels cheap. (laughs) You've got, yes, you do have, uh, 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 you know, Judd Crandall, Fred Gwynn, who is, like, playing an over-the-top caricature of a main guy, but it's so much fun to watch, you don't give a fuck. It's not... I don't even know if I call it a great performance. It's just so much fun to watch him do it. He's great. The kid is great. Like, how they found a kid that's, like, barely three years old to be as expressive as this kid is, I will never know. Weirdly, there was uh, challenges to this film publicly from the media when it came out because people were like... You submitted a kid that young to a horror film. You would feel like that, like people were pursuing, pers- were pursuing legal action against the makers of this film. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Because they were like, that's wrong that you let this kid. And they're like, yeah, we used a stand in and puppets and shit mm-hmm. whenever ever anything super creepy was happening. The kid had no idea. In fact, the, the actor who's now an adult in the documentary is like, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> and I'm normal, I guess. Yeah. Um, I just, it's one of those examples of like, this core material is so great. Why is this so mediocre? And I do. I think this is a thoroughly mediocre film. It's got moments that are terrific, but overall, yeah, it just, it's just got the year mm. it was made. Hollywood not really giving a fuck about horror at this point <coughs> and like TV level quality stuff all about it. And, and Salem's Lot, which was actually made for TV, is scarier and more effective than this is. I actually really look forward to this remake because I'm like, well, maybe if they're actually taking it seriously. I mean, maybe the problem was Stephen King, who reportedly was being kind of a tyrant on set. Like, no, you do it exactly like I wrote it and you can't change so anything. They want it to be moodier. I think there's. I think this is a moody I movie. I think bring it. I think you could. I think the, the, the sort of. The, the house, the. The vibe, I like, feel like I, it, I, I feel like that's in the movie. You I'm, could I'm bring in a modern sensibility of like arty horror, art horror moodiness into this, and it's going to amp this up and the scariness of it by a billion percent. I don't know, man. The sister, the Achilles heel, the the um, 
the gauge. Like, the I think the feels- movie is really memorable visually. I mean, especially the the even the, the you know the the, the Micmac burial ground itself. I mean, I, I find the visuals of this movie, well. You know, it's not maybe shot like something like Near Dark, which is just, you know... Astonishing. Yeah, it's astonishing. It's just really beautiful. But I do think the images of this movie are really memorable. I think they they stay with you. Like, I've thought about this movie. I've only seen this movie a couple times, and it stays with me. Like, watching it even now, like, I was like, wow, these images are, like, burned in my brain. So, yeah, you're right. I mean... You're telling me these images are going to stay with you longer than the Driller Killer from Slumber Party Massacre 2? Is oh, that what you're telling God. me? I'm not going to dignify that with the response. <laughs> you know the no, I mean, like, I hear what you're saying, but I just, every single thing in here that even is memorable, I'm like, can see this is nowhere near as good as it should be. I just think I'm... Yeah, but like I said, I, I think I was so blown by the, the stuff that worked in this movie worked. So well, it transcended all the other stuff, right. especially the Ramones. Well, the Ramones is great. You know, which, which is, by the which way, is crazy because the the tone of this movie is not the tone of that so, song. So either. I've heard two different stories about the Ramones being involved in here. I'm not sure which one is true. Uh, and, and researching, I was like, there. I've seen equal sources for both, but the one that I like to believe is that, like, well, obviously Stephen King, big Ramones fan, mm-hmm. like has been for a long time, openly said he was. And uh, director Mary Lambert, apparently, like according to the one story, was good friends with the Ramones, and as a surprise for Stephen King, had them record a song and go, "Hey, they recorded a song about the movie for it. Can we put it in it?" Yeah, and he was like, "Oh my god!" and started crying and everything. And whether or not that's the truth, I want want to believe that. I want to believe that's true. Yeah, Yeah. but it's a great. It doesn't matter. The song's fucking rad. It's it's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. Even though, generally speaking, people who are like not horror fans but Ramones fans are like, yeah, we don't like that song. Well, they could fuck off. I saw the Ramones live and they played the song. Get the fuck out. That's awesome. I not only saw the Ramones live, but hosted a party for them. No shit. Yeah, hung out with them all night. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Cox is super cool. Yeah, I was looking. I think Trump me. I think half of them were already dead at that point, but still. That's because they buried them in the pet cemetery. Some punk rockers should stand up. Live my life again. All right, so I hate to say it, but we're at hour twenty-two. We Jesus gotta have Christ. a third episode. These fucking questions. Third episode. Well, there are no questions to cover in the third and we episode. Only have two, we have two, two movies, but left. we do forty-five minutes easy on two movies. So maybe we, we should ask forward. each other questions. To- <laughs> yeah, we'll have those questions. Yeah. I actually do have a great horror question to ask. You oh, guys. okay. Cool. I saw someone asking a totally different horror form, and it's like, ooh, that's an awesome question. But we will get to that in the next episode, and then actually, wow, this will be a weird deliberations of doom season where if I feel like we will time this right or right after that our next episode will be the first one of the Christmas in July so that's awesome let's not make promises let's not make promises no we will we're making promises. promises stop